where are we headed? I mean, ideally, it would be bigger than Rocket. You know, maybe we're public in the next couple of years. But number one, we'll have a, you know, a challenging, mission-driven company that's fun to work for and keep growing. Dan Snyder is the co-founder and CEO of Lower, a multi-channel fintech focused on helping more people achieve wealth through home ownership. Dan was named the number four CEO by Glassdoor in 2021, and Lower is the naming rights partner for Columbus Crew's new stadium, Lower.com Field. Dan is passionate about supporting the growth of his local community and gives back through the YPO organization, Young Presidents Organization, the New Albany Foundation, Junior Achievement, Nationwide Children's Hospital, and Healthy Homes. Dan and his wife have two children and call the Columbus suburb of New Albany home. We are here back on the Gravity Podcast with my friend Dan Snyder from Lower.com. And Dan, I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks for taking some time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a while. Long time yeah. coming. Yep, yep. I think last time I was with you, I got COVID not long afterwards. And I know you and I have both been kind of through that journey. And we were just talking before we got started. We're going to be seeing each other actually in person here soon, later today. So it's, it's good to be upright and feeling good and out and about. You make it sound like I gave you COVID. No, no, not no. True. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> true. No, no, no. If anything, it might have been the other way around. But but anyway, let's let's hop in. I'm really excited to kind of have you share your journey with the audience. Obviously, lower is everywhere right now, certainly here, you know, in Columbus, it's got a massive presence, you know, with the crew naming and just all the growth and and great stuff that you guys are doing. And you know, I want people to really get a chance to understand your path to that success and and really get to know you. So why don't we start at the beginning? Tell me about Dan as a kid, your kind of early, early childhood, your family, your upbringing, your parents, kind of any dynamics that you know make sense to share. So my whole family's from Michigan. And so they, they had... Both my parents went to the University of Michigan. And then when they had me after they had moved to Akron, Ohio, and so my, my dad was an engineer for Firestone. And, and so I'm a lifelong Michigan like football sports fan. So it's been, it's been interesting. We finally got a big win. But my, my roots are all in, in Michigan. And you know, like I grew up pretty normal childhood, candidly. I have two other brothers younger than me that I attribute a lot of my success to because they're both taller than me and uh, smarter. And at a very young age, they pushed me. So... I, I was I literally was talking to my brother the other day. And I said that the I attribute my I have a one brother that's two years younger than me, and I attribute a lot of my success because he was like he's still he's six five or something, and I'm maybe a hair under six foot. He was like six two in eighth grade, and he wanted to be a doctor, which he is today. And I I said I was like okay, well when I'm older, every single family reunion cannot be at your house, so I'm gonna have to work hard in order to beat you. And it was like a, a driving motivator for me. Mm. But yeah, grew up great house, Akron, Ohio. And then I got started in like... My mom's a, an attorney and owns a title company. And so that's where I got my little foray into real estate. Mm. I, I did uh, mortgage closings mm -hmm. for her title company when I was like 15 years old. And so okay, like you... Yep. 
you would come in and I would be there to help close your mortgage. That's great at 15. I love it. So let's, let me, I don't want you to fast forward too much just to kind of pause a little bit and dive in there. I think it's great. You know, it's interesting. This is kind of part of why I love doing this is, you know, there's like these family dynamics that can oftentimes really shape our lives. And, and frankly, I think they shape our lives in a big way. And, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad, depending on kind of what you believe, you know, maybe there's no such thing. It's, it's, you know, exactly what it's meant to be. But, you know, I love the idea that, you know, you've got this like childhood, like motivation, rivalry, you know, whatever it is that has you feeling like you, you want to push yourself to be like them, to be better than them. Tell me a little bit more about like how that played out or any like more about what you were like, you know, as a kid, what you were into, you know, before you started closing mortgages for your mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, I grew up just like anyone else. I mean, I, you know, I enjoyed sports. I played soccer, baseball. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't the worst. I wasn't the best. I felt like I was maybe, a, I had all of the coordination and no, none of the speed necessarily. And so it, it ends up, you know, and then, and also too, I, I from, just a, a level of patience. I, I was never a, a patient learner. And so I, I think there's a lot of... It's kind of hard to, to hone a craft, whether it's a sport or anything, if you're not going to really put the time in. You know, so I, I grew up like that, went to public, you know, public school and part-time jobs. And, and it was really pretty much a boring middle-class life. There was nothing... Mm-hmm. I had two other brothers. And like I said, like it was definitely... like. One seven years younger, so that's a bit different. It's a whole other kind of chapter. But my other was two years younger than me, and we were best friends and rivals. And I mean, you end up. I think if he was, if he was not successful, not athletic, not smart, it would have been easier for me to like take the, you know, be lazier, mm-hmm. because you know you don't want the older brother. To be in it, or if he was my older brother, it'd be easier for me. Oh, he's my older brother. But he's my younger brother. And I'm like, oh, I can't let him like completely uh-huh. drum me and everything. So mm-hmm. I had to up my game. But yeah, we have a, I had a really close knit community. We had, uh, I'm still friends with, you know, like my best friend, my childhood friend from preschool still comes over to my house and has dinner with my wife and kids and I every Sunday, mm-hmm. 40 years later or whatever. So it's, it's, we, we it was a great community. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just curious, you know, you've kind of focused on your brothers, how they kind of you know pushed you, and you know how that drove you. Do you, do you think that you're just kind of naturally a driven person, or you know, does that also come from other, you know, seeing your parents work hard and be successful? You know, what what or is it really you know solely kind of this thing about like you just didn't want your younger brother to to you know be taller, better, bigger, wealthier, you know, I mean, I know you as somebody who is very driven and, and drives hard, I mean, and, and has, you know, proven to get results that way. And so I'm just really just curious, like how much of it is really about your brother or kind of who you are? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, if I go to my parents, I, mean, I think about this a lot as a parent myself now, like I, I don't, you know, they pushed me enough, but there was never... There was never a 
point where they were forcing me to do anything. They weren't like, like enrolling me in sports that I didn't want to do. When I didn't want to do sports, they're like, okay, no problem. It was very kind of a, a go with the flow approach. You know, my mom went to law school while I was like she she was a biologist and then stayed home with us while we were like really young. And then went to law school while I was maybe 10. And so like part-time. So those were times when, you know, like, you know, I had to, you know, they were very supportive, but they gave me some, like my own free time to kind of figure out my own self. And I, I reflect on that a lot. It's like, you know, as a, as a parent trying to make sure that I'm giving my, my children the space to do what they want and not what I want them to do. And so I, you know, both my parents are incredible. I mean, married for almost 50 years now and super smart on their own right. And again, pushed me just enough. Like they hold me accountable, like do your homework, but not like over it, like, like make me feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think that it was very balanced. And then what it allowed me to do is then figure out what I was either really good at or enjoyed doing. And that was kind of hard to figure out candidly. I mean, like, I, I feel like, like success has to come before passion to some extent. Um, so like, you're not going to be, you know, like as I was like learning, I played the guitar. I I was okay at the guitar. I wasn't like, you know, super incredible guitar player. So like, I didn't like practice every day. I wasn't Mm -hmm. like passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I just dabbled. How old were you when you played guitar? I I don't know. Just kind of growing up. I mean, Mm -hmm. teenagers, teenagers. It was something you were just kind of curious about and kind of wanted to do, wanted to do to. You yeah, know, like the reason a lot of guys get into playing guitar. That's right. I mean, for the girls. Yeah, yeah. And and but you never were passionate about it. So so you, you know you're 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 saying you think six kind of drives passion. That's an interesting mindset. I'm curious about that. Maybe we can kind of come back to that as uh, we get to the built to lead chapter, which I want to talk about. But but I want to just kind of keep walking you through this progression. And I can't help but to come back to this. 15 year old that's helping your mom do closings. I mean, knowing kind of your path a little bit and we'll kind of lay it all out. But, but tell me about kind of what kind of got you there in the first place. Like, why did you go do that with your mom? Was it just a job or what, what kind of brought you there? Yeah. So if there was anything that taught me how to be a quick thinker and like a salesperson, it was this job. It was never a sales job to begin with, but I had to wear a suit and tie. You know, instead of, you know, it's hard to get a job when you're 15. And so, like, I, I would go to the title company where, where she was at. She would notarize it and do all the legal stuff. But I, I just had to walk through, walk couples through the mortgage and the, and the documents you signed. So I'm walking people through, like, like you or I now are adults that are buying their first house. And here I am in my big baggy khaki pants and <laughs> a suit jacket and a red tie. And hey, I'm Dan. And I look like I'm literally probably 12, but I'm really 15. And you're in good hands because a lot of this is just formula, you know, it's just a form docs. And and I and then they pay me like $25 a closing. And it was way easier than, you know, working at uh, CVS or something. And, and did your mom want you to work? Did you want the job? Did you want the money? Were you curious about what she did? What was it that kind of had you even land there to begin with? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I, I watched her start her own business and I, I you know, and then like talk about it and you know, I'd ask, you know, what, you know, can I help out? Can I work? Can you pay me to work there? And we just like those types of conversations that probably aren't I'm not having if she's working somewhere. And it was a really good like learning for me. I mean, getting thrust into uh you know, talking to people a lot older than me and then realizing that it really wasn't that big of a deal. And so it it helped me even in my early on management years when I had to manage older people. I, it didn't. It wasn't uncomfortable for me to do that. Mm-hmm. And oh, it taught sure. me how to, you know, like, and I, I had fun with it too. I like, you know, people were, and I did the job. I was a professional. I didn't really have, and, and nobody really cared, which is interesting. Like, no one was like, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, what a bad company to have a fifteen-year-old." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it, it's really fascinating. And I'm curious to kind of hear your um, thoughts about this. But, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious about kind of the irony or maybe just the logic in the fact that you, you know, kind of had that, that spark at 15 in the mortgage business and then, you know, end up doing what you're doing today. It's pretty, you know, wild that, you know, you know, 25 plus years later, you're, you know, in that line of work. And, and I don't want to speed too much ahead to lower, but, but tell me kind of like what happens from there. You get that experience with your mom. Is this something that you stick with through high school and, and, and kind of, you know, what does that lead you to for college? Well, I, so if that taught me how to sell, like I, I was a shoe shiner at a country club and that was taught me how to actually work. I mean, like I had a, I had a boss. I had a boss named Dick, and he was pretty much that exact thing. He was like a former military guy, retired, and he was the locker room manager at the Rosemont Country Club in Fairlawn. And he—it's so funny. I, I, I lived in Akron until I was ten years old, and and belonged to the Rosemont Country Club. So no, it's kind of funny to hear you. That say is all funny. That stuff. Yeah. So I was there, shining the shoes, cleaning things, and he just was like, "You are." the laziest, the weakest, you don't have a care. Like this is how you shine a shoe. This is how you clean a toilet. This is how you like, he smacked the lazy out of me. Like I've never been taught to in my life. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I owe him a lot, honestly, from the standpoint of like calling out in the moment, hard work, because not a lot of people do that. And he came at it. From the standpoint of excellence, and then being excellent at such like a you know a meaningful like task. Here mm-hmm. I am shining rich people's shoes, cleaning their golf cleats, you know, making sure the towels are folded. And I would do all of that. I just didn't do it perfectly. And he just beat it into me more than my parents ever did, more than anyone's ever told me about it. So like mm-hmm. that really set the tone for like if you're gonna. If you're going to go to work, you might as well work. And that's something I still say today. Like even to my employees, if you're going to go play fancy football at your computer, then don't come into work. Just do it at home. It's no big deal. Like while you're at work, then tune in and work. Because work is not like, especially in those roles, that work isn't fun. Work is a means of making money. So you might as well just do your best. And then you can go home and then be with your friends. You know, and like so that 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 taught me work ethic. My goal, though, like working my title company or that, was always to go to law school and become a lawyer. From, mm-hmm. Since I was in seventh grade, that was my dream. 
I went to I engineered my entire undergraduate like everything around being a lawyer, and then just ended up not being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was never mm-hmm. to be in real estate or the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. Well, why did you not? Uh, did you go to law school? No, no. Okay, so why not? That's a lot to unpack. Because I mean, I had spent from I worked for her at the title company to put that on my resume for law school. I worked. I went to college. I was an English major because I was really good at English, and I ended up flipping to business and marketing because English, like English, seemed easy, but it was really horrible. Like as yeah, a, it's hard. Yeah, as a major, yeah, not good. Yeah. About Shakespeare and and then I, I I I mean I worked at the courthouse. I went to Ohio University. I worked at the courthouse in Athens. I was like the I worked. I helped start like the alternate sentencing like DUI program down there. I mean everything was like networking with judges and all so, so I could get the resume built. I went. I did the Kaplan LSAT class. Everything graduated in like three, little over three years. So I have a year to like make some money. Prior to law school, so everything is engineered to go to law school, and then, like at the time I start, I graduate from Ohio University. I have I'm as a junior almost in my grade class, and I take a. I ended up like going to Ohio. I end up getting it going to a career fair, and I knew I needed to work for a year. Like literally, like I'll work for one year while I save up some money. I'll do some of the LSAT training and then I'll quit and go to law school. And so I got a job with Wells Fargo. And so Wells Fargo, the only reason is because I remember closing these loans. I was closing for my mom's company. A lot of the lenders on the loans were Wells Fargo. I'm like, oh, I've heard of them. Perfect. And I told them my whole story. Like, you know, I'm going to, this isn't going to be a long-term career for me and whatever. And, And the hiring people are like, that's fine. Just, do your best. Mm-hmm. And, and then a year in at Wells, like I was pretty good. I ended up being like pretty good at that and decided that the reason I wanted to be a lawyer was because it was easier to tell. It was more fun to like tell my friends I was going to be a lawyer mm-hmm. than work at Wells Fargo in a strip mall in Westerville, Ohio. Like no one mm-hmm. aspires to do that. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me ask you something aspire to about be, that. Yeah. Like even yeah. my kids, like if they said, I want to go work at Wells Fargo in the strip mall, I'd be like, you sure you don't want to be a lawyer or a You're doctor right. or an architect? Yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, you know, I think our generation, you know, grew up with doctors and lawyers being kind of held at a level and not that, not that they're still not held at a level from a appreciation, value, importance, you know, but the doctors maybe more than lawyers, but the the, the that was like a real common societal uh, agreement that if you were one of those two things you were quote successful you were smart you were going to be wealthy you were going to be successful and and i wonder i was curious about what you just said like you wanted to tell your friends that like how much of your decision making because i know mine at that time in life was like really shallow like wasn't super evolved wasn't thinking about like me and passion and my life or what I might like to do or other people. I was like, well, better go work at a bank and put on a suit and tie and maybe that'll look cool and impress, you know, my girlfriend and her parents and my friends. So like, is that where your head was? Is that kind of how you were thinking? Just like societal conditioning about what you were like supposed to do? 
Yeah. I mean, like, I think, I don't think it's changed candidly. I think that it, if anything, it's probably gotten worse in terms of like the prevalence of knowing what everyone's doing and then everyone judging and judging and judging. And so you end up like, how can you not, until you get so grounded in like you or I are fortunate to be, you know, have, whether it's from coaching or from like experience in coming from a grounded mental place, but like a lot of people are not. And so then you make decisions based on everyone else's opinion of you. And that usually is not a good solution. I remember specifically though, at Wells Fargo working in a strip mall and thinking that I'm like wasting my life. My friends are going mm-hmm. to law school now. You know, mm-hmm. my other friends are working at Procter and Gamble or companies you, you know, that are like headquarters or Google or traveling or pharmaceutical sales reps. You know, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. Tommy just got a brand new car and I'm driving mm-hmm. around in a old Ultima. I mean, it's just, you start getting FOMO and missing out and wondering if you've made the right choice or not. And mm-hmm. my dad said to me at Wells, because I was like lost six months into that place. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm cold calling. I'm, I'm like, this is like, I'm like, I didn't, you don't, I didn't go to college for this cold call. And do, I, you know, this is ridiculous. And I'm looking, I like, and it's sales. This sucks. And I remember talking to him, my dad, and he's a like, very quiet like, engineer. And he said, he's like, well, look, here, here's the deal. How much, how much do they pay you? And I told him, he's like, do you ever not get that salary? I'm like, no. He's like, so they pay you 100%. I'm like, well, yeah. He's like, well, then that's the effort you give, 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of the contract that you've signed up for here. Mm-hmm. And at the end of, say, 12 months, at the end of 18 months, then you can assess if it's the right fit for you. Just, but just put your head down and don't worry about anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And I ended up getting, I think, like promoted to manager when I was 22 years old. And, you know, I had a, and then I really found my passion, which was like developing people. Mm. Not it had nothing to do with industry. It had nothing to do with anything. It was like, all right, how can I get? How can I find people? And instead of letting them quit, it, let's promote them up. Let's give them a chance. Like, let's see if we can, you know, put them in the right spot to thrive. And so, like, it, it had to do with putting the effort in. Mm-hmm. And in uh, and I think that's a lot, <laughs> a lot to be said, but. Yeah, back to your point. I don't think that there was a lot. Of, there was a disappointing time in my life when everyone's like, "I thought you were going to law school, dude." And I'm like, "What are you doing now?" And I'm like, "Well," and then I went from Wells Fargo. I was there for four years, rose up a little bit, but realized at that point, like the only way to continue to rise was to relocate to uh, Des Moines, Iowa, or San Francisco, or something. Mm-hmm. I ended up not doing that because I meet my future wife, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm like I'm sticking in Ohio. I t- and then I, I also realized that it was just, it was not entrepreneurial enough for me. Mm. Not that I had to be my own entrepreneur, but mm. I, I, I took a job at another bank that was like more, you know, like, all right, you can grow, you grow a lending division for our bank. You can do it in Columbus, Ohio, and you can, we'll give you a percentage of the profits you drive in. And mm. you have some rules to the game, but other than that, just go for it. And mm-hmm. it, it, it what was, was even it worse. About that, what was it about that entrepreneurial kind of way that was appealing to you? 
Well, I, I, I feel like to some extent, I, I, I'm not the most like social person in my, my wife would attest to this in my like personal life, but I'm kind of like a caged animal as it relates to business. I mean, like the status quo annoys me. And I, I remember distinctively at Wells, we had 16 locations in Columbus. And all 16 locations, there's like duplicate, like a like couple in Westerville, a couple downtown, a couple in the east side, west side. And they were all half full. And I'm like, for culture, it'd be way better if we just like consolidated so that you have more vibe, more people. You can, you know, you could take the 100 people in, in 16 branches and make 108. And like, it would be, it'd be, it'd be cost effective and it'd be better for the culture. They're like, let's, you know, that uh, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, this is weird. Well, it's not my call. I'm like, well, can't you just tell people just to, Tomorrow, just to drive to the other office, and we're, like even if you have to pay the lease, it's better for the culture. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like at that moment, I'm like, if this, it's not like I'm saying like trying to introduce a new global credit card product or something. Mm-hmm. Like this is just in our little district, and it couldn't happen. I'm like, this is annoying. Like it just annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this is annoying. And so when things, I had put in enough time to know that like this is the way it would be. Mm-hmm. And then I took this new opportunity, you know, for this bank that no one ever heard of, and um, which was very bad for my ego, because then it's even worse. Oh, so you left Wells? You didn't go to law school, and then you left Wells Fargo because you're obviously not successful there, because mm-hmm. that's how people think. Mm-hmm. And now you're at this place called American Bank, where no, like that seems weird. So. Mm-hmm. You know, then you fast forward a couple more years, and then all my friends are like, "Oh wow, you know, you did make the right call." Mm-hmm. Now then you're, in it, but like, there's a, a bottoming out of of your emotions. I feel like that that is hard to go through. You almost have to yeah, compartmentalize you, it. Yeah, because you did go through it, right? So you know, you you left Wells because the way things were there was just unsettling for you. You weren't comfortable with them not having good answers to your questions. And so you, you leave knowing that you're at least you know, um, of the opinion and, and probably right that people are going to form opinions about you, judgments, draw conclusions about your success. I mean, this is kind of like touching all your sensitive spots, right? And you do it anyway. I mean, yeah, and it works out. You can obviously you know, kind of prove that out today. But you know what was in you? Is it that drive as a kid that has you say, "I don't care if it sucks. I don't care if this is worse. I've got to go there anyway." I, 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 like I've always been pretty good at timing. Like my read on this is people leave too early. Like they leave uh, four years, you can kind of see. But like if you leave within a year and a half, two years, three years, like maybe you haven't seen. A full cycle of the company. Maybe you haven't seen the full cycle in the market, and it's hard to you leave prematurely. You're basically starting back over square one, like even if it's a new place. But e- each long way, you learn new things. I mean, I'll never forget. I leave, and and this is all bad timing too. Like in terms of like market timing, I leave Wells in 07. I leave, and I you know they instead of being gracious on the way out, I've been there for four years. I was the good steward for the company. They literally like threw away all my trophies and awards in my office like they like in the, in the trash can that's like the what the like the guy that I reported to did to me 
And that to me, it was like so annoying. So I remember, mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, it's never fun to lose employees, but, but like, and we don't have to like throw them a parade when they leave. Mm-hmm. But like, let's just not throw away all their trophies on the way out. Like, mm-hmm. let's just, you know, because I see companies do this all the time. I see my own managers sometimes get a little bit like, because it's an emotional hit when you lose somebody, but you learn these things along the way. It's funny when I go to this, I started this place called American Bank and it was, and then two weeks later, which is really like two weeks later, Freddie Mac stops buying loans and Lehman Brothers goes out of business and this whole financial crisis happens. Mm-hmm. And here I am like 26, 25 mm-hmm. and a half, maybe. And I've just gone to more of a, a variable compensation structure for a no-name place. And now I'm like wading into this like financial crisis. So it was a it was a definitely a bottom. Like mm-hmm. it was a, there was excitement because it was like a challenge, but you know, I I I look at this from the standpoint of like in ev- everything, you're gonna have your highs, but you get married, you move into your new home, you name a lower.com field, you raise money, you're and then you're going to have equal amount of, which hurt even worse, lows of whether it's boredom or you're not getting, you missed out on a promotion or the market isn't good or you lose a key person. Like, and like being able to handle that is learned, I think. I mean, so I, over the course of you know, my life, I mean, I've had a lot of ups, a lot, a lot of downs and then a lot or a lot of ego blows and you just learn from that. Mm-hmm. And so, like that—that that was definitely a, you know, part of the journey. Yeah, and I want to talk about that. And just in the interest of time, just tell the story of how you got to lower. You know, I know there was a number of, you know, kind of big steps along the way. You know, and and I've been fortunate enough to kind of have a, a little bit of a, a you know up close view of some of that. You know, I, I remember kind of like when you started lower. And the the kind of transition into that. So share with the audience kind of your you know kind of direct path to lower. So so this no name bank in 08, it was called American Bank. It was based in like the DC area. And my current co-founder partner, Mike, he was at that place and he recruited me to go and work for him there. And and so over the course from 2008 to 2013, I, I was at American Bank. And we grew this lending division, and we grew it successfully. But it was at the point where it wasn't our company, and the bank was not convinced that they wanted to uh, in, continue to keep investing in, in in the home lending or make the necessarily necessary improvements, etc. So we made the call to go off on our own, and so we found, kind of co- we co-founded lower 2014. And you know we got kind of put in our own money, raised some debt from friends and family, and then you know got grinding and just like like an old school startup movie or book you read, where you've got you know twelve people. We had some folks along the way from from the, our previous stint at American Bank that joined us, and then we just went back to kind of doing what we're doing, but then with the freedom to do. Like anything, so to speak. Like we can make quick decisions. There's, there's a lot of pressure, but at least there's a lot of flexible. There's some freedom there when you own your own company. Mm-hmm. And t- and talk a little bit about that. You know, what what was kind of the experience of having that freedom? Both the 
burden and the kind of you know luxury. The I I remember thinking I don't know if other entrepreneurs think this too, but I remember thinking when we when I we, the day where I went from the W two employee to then starting my own business, I felt no different. Like I really felt no different as it was related to the pressure that. I felt like carrying my the employees on my back in terms of like not letting them down. I've always felt like I work for my employees. Like that's my mentality. I, they like they do not work for me. I, my job is to set the vision for the company, make good decisions, but then align the team so that they can thrive, not the other way around. And so, therefore, my mentality didn't change. I felt a lot of pressure to. Like continue to like keep people calm, set on like okay, here's where we're headed. I know right now it sucks. Like we don't have even enough like money to get the carpets cleaned, but it's gonna be fun. And the funny thing is, back then we all were like, because we were all pretty young, including me. Like we wanted to look older, so we all wore suits every day. So we're in this shitty space, like legitimately cords and wires everywhere. Everyone's like dressed to the nines every day. Like we're vests and ties. And we look back at the pictures now. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like we're at Ikea desks all cobbled together. And yet we still look good. And it was just the mentality of like, we were taking, we took it seriously. Like, and everyone rallied for that. So we, Mm -hmm. so we grew it and kept bringing on good people. I mean, clearly the market we're in while no one goes to like college to become like work in housing or real estate, really, or, or mortgage. It's such a rewarding career. I mean, it's a big opportunity. It's a big market. It's a big uh, decision for consumers. It's not a product that necessarily falls out of favor. You know, like, and, and so we had a lot of people kind of join the mission to unlock home ownership. And we had a lot of fun along the way. And, you know, it's like anything challenging. You kind of forget about all the, the, the pain. And you look back at, at the fond memories. Yeah, sure. Talk a little bit about, you know, you had said kind of earlier on that you believe success drives passion. You have to have that kind of success first to really, you know, stick with something and, and you know, end up becoming passionate about it. You, you also mentioned, I think you said something about that uh, work isn't fun, that, you know, it's work. And then you go do fun, you know, with, with you know, after work or on the weekends. And, and, and then there was this other comment you made about kind of like the societal pressure and the wanting to kind of like, you know, have success and then keep having success and, you know, keep winning, so to speak. I'm just curious kind of with all of those things, like, where are you today? You know, you've obviously had tremendous success and I'm wondering, you know, is, is it now a passion or is it still work? Or how much is outside, you know, kind of drivers still motivating you to keep doing what you're doing? You know, for me personally, I, I, I am, I only have ever worked harder or grinded harder than I have in the last six months. We've gone through a lot of change at the company, which I can get to in a minute. But I think that, I, I think it's hard to do broad strokes on these things. I mean, if you've got, it's way different if you, it's you or I. Um, or someone more seasoned in their career to, because like I attribute work and life and, and try to integrate it. And yes, it's work. And would I rather be not looking at this spreadsheet? Yeah, but I, I enjoy it. I have a lot of control. 
and I get paid well versus entry level or mid level when you're trying to figure out what to do your individual contributor you you have you have family and you have issues just like I do but yet though you're trying to figure out your career when I've already figured mine out and let's just not and I like let's not overthink it I think people overthink things. So therefore, they freak themselves out. So instead of just focusing in on like, okay, here's the task I need to complete. And again, 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 and get better. And eventually, I'll start moving my way out of the individual contribution into higher level things that become naturally more fun. Like you don't just go from like day one to... Like leading strategy at a business, like there is a like a knowledge and skill set that you develop over time. But I don't care what company you work for. If you are there, as long as they're willing to allow you to grow with the company, they're growing as well. Like if you're there day one and you're there 20 years, I I guarantee you you're not going to be doing the exact same job that you first started. I bet you it's more fun. I bet you you have a lot more autonomy. It's no different than in school. Like I tell a lot of our recent college grads, you're basically back to freshman year. It's going to seem scary. It's going to be, you'll be anxious. You're going to feel lost. You're not going to know how to do your laundry. You're going to want to call your mom. It's the same thing. And then by the time you're a senior, the king of the castle, four years in, which is not a long time, four years in though, if you're four years in here, more than likely you're a leader, you're on a committee, you're getting paid more money. You can, Work from home. You could. You have more flexibility. You can do whatever you want. And I think that's part of it. By the time you're, you know, as old as you and I, like it's hard to even say. Like we know now. Like, like okay, I've integrated my life. I've integrated my work. I love my work. Like, because, you know, like I'm tenured in my career now. I think that's same. Yeah, or if I wasn't in my position, I've at least come to grips with work is my paycheck, and I'm just gonna like my dad. And I'm going to come in at eight. And I'm going to leave at four, and I'm going to kill it during those hours. But I'm going to go home and, you know, like be with my family and stuff. If you're an individual contributor, mm-hmm. so I, I do think it's a, a bit different. I, I see. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and and I'm wondering, you know, now, you know, you you said you've spent, you've been working harder the last six months than you know maybe ever. You know, what what is driving you now? What it, where are you headed? What's the what are you passionate about within the work? Tell me, kind of like, you know, I agree with you. You know, it, it, in I shouldn't say I completely agree with you. I agree with you in that like it, it gets easier as you've got some experience and growth and freedom and money. And you know, there, there's definitely some element of it that allows you to kind of be with it in a different way. I'm not entirely sure that you can't start out with something that you're super passionate about and, and, and get to the same place. But there's no question it requires a ton of hard work to get from point A to point B. And that might not always be fun. You know, don't don't confuse passion with. I'm not saying you. I'm saying the audience. Like, yeah. let's not confuse passion with fun, right? It, it, passion can be really, really hard. So, tell me, you know, today, where are you? Where are you going? What's kind of driving you? And you know, I want to also just make sure we take a little time because I know you and I both have a passion for the mental health side of things. And you know, you talked about the highs and lows. And you might have your name on the stadium and that could be like a super amazing high. But then, you know, 
something happens at home or somebody leaves and you're still a human being, no matter where your name is and how much money you have, you're going to have those highs and lows. So talk a little bit about kind of current state and how you're navigating everything. Well, I, I, I say that I've never worked harder because I, it's, I've never been more maybe excited about like where our current state is and where we're headed. We've got a, we've always had a, a vision, but now we've got um, we're really on a like a trajectory roadmap. It, it, we're having to. I, I will say we still have a chip on our shoulder, me personally and the company, in terms of like making a name for ourselves and making and, and building a great business. But you know, the stadium being one thing. But when we took our investment from Excel, which is like a top VC firm, and no longer is there a debate on if we're a fintech company or not. I mean, when the you know the you know the the big VC firm that this is what they do for a living, mm-hmm. uh, you know, makes an investment in you, I don't have to debate that any longer. I can focus mm-hmm. on building our core product for our, our people, and I think that's that's just a relief, honestly. From uh, like it, it gets us access to capital, it gets us. Open it opens doors up, and we're working on partnerships with, you know, other publicly traded tech companies that I would never have. They wouldn't have answered my phone call. Mm-hmm. For you know, and our not that our business economics, nothing that has changed. It's just now that we're we've kind of hopped the tracks over to this. It's just it's a lot more fun for me. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm able to spend my time um, on more creative things. So I think on that side of things, on the you know, but it's still like a challenging housing environment, mm-hmm. challenging labor market, challenging. You know, we've got like you know, everyone's getting COVID. No one knows where to work. No, like everyone wants everything. Employers are willing to do anything to attract talent. We're trying to compete on all of these different levers and levels, and it's it's definitely stressful for our team. And you know it's like it's just the new, but there's always a new challenge. And so I don't know yeah. when like it's just so you got to kind of deal with it. You know? But yeah, like are that's you? Just what um, it is. Yeah, and and well, how do you deal with it? I mean, what what is kind of your is you know what I'm hearing you say is like more work. I just yeah, just keep showing up and and like giving it a hundred percent. But but like, what else do you do? To help yourself, kind of get the energy to to work hard like that. Well, I think well, I go back to like what I'm really passionate about, which is developing people or and helping people. Now I'm doing it from the standpoint of like I care about them. Plus I'm their boss. Plus we have a big mission to go, and I see the challenge that they face with their teams. And like if you're a leader in in 2022. You've got a hard job. I mean, there is this trying to navigate the labor market, the health of your of your team. So it's hard to recruit people and retain people. It's hard to know what to give and what to not give in on. Like as it relates to work from home, who can work from home? Because this function even can you even do this from home? Like like all these things are challenges from my standpoint that. Our leaders were, it's not like they've been trained on how to handle these obstacles. And I feel like I spend my time really talking to them a lot and I get energy from that. Talking to them about their challenges, talking to them about their weak employees, 
There are employees that want more. There are employees that want more freedom. The their own struggles at home, their spouses that are, you know, getting laid off, or their spouses that are being overworked if they work, say, in a hospital. And there's just there's just the reality of what's happening here. We've had you know like a lot of employees where their their spouses and or, or friends have been sick. Some have died. It's just a Real emotional time. I feel like we're all going through as a society, and it, you can feel it in our own community at work. And so, I, I, I spent a bunch of time talking to and helping my leaders, and then also like a lot of the like our, I socialize a lot with our team members and talk to them and just see what they're going through. And I get a lot out of that. Like I get energy from it, you know. And so, it's you know that's like one aspect of of running the business, and then. I, you know, I, I get a lot of energy from helping the business get an edge so that it helps our our team members. I mean, mm-hmm. you're either, you know, as they say, growing or dying, and I would prefer to not die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really hear. You know, you had said something about you working for your employees, and I really hear that there's a real passion for people. And for helping people grow and and thrive and you know get the best out of themselves and you know you really wanting that and being that for people in a kind of full way in a holistic way not just you know as a like I'm gonna push you kick your ass like the shoe shine guy right <laughs> I'm gonna also like ask you if you need to talk and if there's something I, I can do to help you at home I think that's really great and and probably why you know you guys have had so much success in attracting talent I mean you've grown you know massively you've had to you know attract and and retain a lot of talent if you go to your office you know the environment is high energy it's fun it's Great looking, you know. It's it's clear that you know this is a people centric organization, and that clearly starts with you. Yeah, I, but I think one thing to be clear about is that like as we grow, people say like, you grow too fast. Here's what the challenge: you you grow and you import new culture. It's not the same culture we started with, and everyone kind of knows each other for the last seven years. We've imported new culture, and you need to adapt to that. Like we need to adapt. And we can't be shy with those that are. You know, I care about all of our employees. Some some of them don't like shouldn't be working here more than likely. And now there's this truth telling, the whole truth and love, and like coaching my team through saying like it's okay if you've got somebody on your team that's just not a good fit on your team. This is not a reflection on you or them even. It just might be a bad uh, like. Employee, employer fit or technical fit. I, I like, and I, I think that how, balancing that sensitivity, like, and so like we try to lead with empathy, but reality. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of it. I mean, like, you can't, you're going to sit in the office and watch Netflix all day long. Not to say anyone does, just hypothetically, like, you're watching Netflix all day long and then we let you go. You're like, don't complain to your wife that we're a bad employer. Like yeah. you weren't working, right? And like, I, yeah. like, I think there's part, and that's not a real story for the audience. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. that that stuff though drives me crazy. While you're at work, yeah. work for your family, for your kids, for yourself, for for your money or for your future. 
you might as well just work. I mean, like work for our customers. This isn't like we'll have fun along the way. We'll have contests and stuff. It's not, you know, like, but this is, we're all part of this. And so you have to be aligned on it. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be completely in agreement that we're making every single best call. We, we have, we want independent thinkers that are tightly aligned, but we don't need like drones following us off of a cliff. We need some, like, we need creativity. And if your dream is to be an airline pilot, it's probably not going to happen at lower. If your dream is to be a doctor or an architect, not happening here. So, like, that's part of what we talk about. So, like, okay, like, if you want to, if you are bullish on housing over the next decade and you want to have a great career and you like technology and how we're going to use that to impact, okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're yeah. not, we're also not your teacher or your mom or your dad. Like there, so there's this empathetic toughness. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's the truth and love. You know, empathy and reality is what you you know added to that. And you know, Chet also says you know tough and tender, right? I mean, you know, you kind of really do need to kind of carrot and stick, however you want to say it. Like, there's clearly both are required. And you're right. Like, it is what it is. Like, if you don't want to be part of a a mortgage company, if you don't want to be a part of the housing technology space that you guys are in, then you know. Wrong fit, you know. We we say right person, right seat. So tell me, just kind of as we start to fi- wrap up here, you know, I'd love to hear kind of final thoughts and and you know where you think this is going. I don't know if there's a end in sight. This is something that you see yourself doing the rest of your life, but kind of share with us, kind of in you know summary, like you know what's the future look like for you for for lower. Like to the extent that I can continue to like lead the company successfully, like and 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 enjoy doing it, I'll keep doing it. I mean, I feel like I, I've, you know, like I've told you, I've never been more, never worked harder, but that that's with equally never been more excited about just leading the team and you know like innovation and everything that we've been working on. So like we'll take that aside, and then, gosh, I hate to be like lame about this, but you know we. You know, the outcome is how can we help and how can we impact and drive more wealth for the middle Americans? And we feel like it's through home ownership, like unlocking Mm -hmm. and spreading out the ability to access a mortgage, a real estate agent, help them obtain insurance, save. Like we have, we rolled out a digital savings account. So you can like open up a, it used to take, like when I got my first savings account, I was like, I, I had to get like a, it's a whole ordeal. It took a whole day down to do it. And you can do it ours in like two clicks and you're done. And then you can start saving and we will help pay on your we'll pay a portion of your down payment. So like we really are kind of like passionate about getting people into home ownership. It's become a bit of a there's like until more homes are either built or people sell, like there's a supply side issue. But you know, I think that you know we're trying to become you know bigger than those guys up north. And you know, and and just continue to stay at like on top of the trend. So, as it relates to like the outcome of going public or or what have you, like that's not something we're focused on. I mean, we're focused Mm -hmm. on trying to be like the best company possible, building a good, sustainable team, good leadership strengths. So the fact that if I don't want to do this every single day, I've got a bench to call up, and we have a succession plan. So, and uh, over the last. You know, when we rewind six months ago, I, I didn't 
Like we had no outside investments. I didn't have like a you know I had my co-founders. We didn't have a professional board, mm-hmm. and so you know now we do. And there's both like an excitement, like okay, you know after se- after seven years, it, things can get a little bit, I don't know, stale. Mm-hmm. And now it's interesting. Like, okay, we have a board. What I, and, I, and I and my co-founders, and I, we don't even know what that means in terms of now we can we have. We've never had equity to be able to use. Our structure didn't allow it. So now we have like equity we're developing, like an equity plan for employees. And there's so many cool things we're working on that gets me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and so where where are we headed? I mean, I, ideally we'd be bigger than Rocket. I you know, maybe we're public in the next couple of years, but number one, we'll have a you know, a challenging mission-driven company that's fun to work for. And you know, and keep growing. Well, I have no doubt about that last piece for sure. And I know you're, uh, you know, a Michigan guy, but it would be nice to see an Ohio guy, you know, beat the Michigan guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. So uh, it's a great story, Dan. It's been really fun to watch your success. And you know, you're on your own rocket, and and there's, you know, it seems like sky's the limit. So congratulations, enjoy it, and yeah, thanks for what you're doing for Columbus. And it's been fun to have you on the show. Yeah, Yeah, thanks, man. You too. Great to be on. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at The Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.